Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Reading the news. New York Times, I get emailed to me every day, every single day. Um, and I'm waiting for them to talk about the crisis at the border, you guys. There's this thing going on right now. They're allowing illegal immigrants to cross over into the United States from Mexico without COVID testing, without background checks. Um, senators from the... What would you call it? Senators that are senators of our United States. They all went down as a group. They were told that reporters were not allowed to go with them for fear that they might catch COVID. That's what Biden and his administration said. They said no reporters were allowed to go with them. Well, here's the thing about that. You may tell the reporters they can't go with the senators, but that doesn't stop the reporters from actually going to the border, and that's exactly what they did. When you tell somebody that they can't do something, then they're really going to want to do it. So it's all weekend. I've just been seeing news of them interviewing children, children, Children just traveling unaccompanied um, across Mexico from Honduras, from Belize. Uh, those are South Central places, and these children are traveling alone. I mean, there's... I can't even imagine right now. Like human traffickers, all of this going on. So they reached the border, and what one of the reporters found was that Border Patrol was picking them up and asking them basic questions, not doing any kind of testing, and then they released them into Texas. So that's what's going on right now. We are... Our country is not being protected as it should be. Um... And it took a group of senators to go down to the border because Biden and his administration couldn't do it. He still hasn't been down to the border, you guys. Him nor the vice president or any of his administration, they have not been down to the border to see the crisis in which they unfolded. They did. They opened the borders. And when they asked these people at the border why they came, because of Biden. Biden said, come. So they came. <clears throat> right to our government. So I've been watching New York Times and they haven't done a piece on that at all. Not one single piece because I, surprisingly, even though I'm a conservative, I follow New York Times because <laughs> they, um, they're Biden supporters. I can tell by their articles. They they write these very flattering articles and they try to build him up and they smooth the actual things that are going on. So I chose to get these articles just to see how the other side paints a picture of the president who is lying right to our face. It's very disgusting. He also told the people... And just so any of you Americans listening, him and his administration uh, told us, 
told the people, we the people, that they would not be using or sending any stimulus money to illegal immigrants. And let me state that again. Not just immigrants, illegal immigrants. Okay? I shared this video on my Facebook page. I share quite a bit. Uh, come to find out, they were able to dig up enough to find out that they had been lying. And they've been sending some of our tax money to illegal immigrants. So for all of you taxpayers out there, Cardi B, you want to know where your tax money's going? Cardi B, President Biden is spending your hard-earned tax money that you paid to the government, all that money you made for the Grammys, you know, getting like almost naked, dry humping, Megan Thy Stallion on stage, you know, on the bed for the Grammys. All this flack you've been getting for that and the money you've made from that. Well, guess what? President Biden, who thinks that you're just so smart and you're just an intelligent generation? Do you remember that interview? Yeah, he's behind your back spending your hard-earned tax money on illegal immigrants. That's where your tax money's going. I just wanted to add that bit. So you guys, we ended off. On Saturday, I did a thing on Palm Sunday, the full moon and abortion. If you heard it, thank you. Um, if you haven't, you should listen to it. Those numbers are not good but hopefully they get better. So we're going to pick up where we left off and we're going to pick up in Exodus chapter 21 and recap Exodus chapter 20. As you recall in chapter 19, God was having Moses sanctify and get the men ready. Anytime God is doing something grand in your life, he's preparing you, um, he's changing you, he's shifting you. I know from experience, oh, and it can be painful. Change can be painful, you guys. There's no way around change, and there's no way around change being a little bit painful. None of us like to change. So he was having the men get sanctified, making sure their clothes were clean, making sure that everybody understood don't cross the bounds at the base of the mountain in which God was residing at. And then God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. And as you guys can see, these are very simply laid out. Okay. It's, it's not sinful. A lot of people will say, you're going to hell because you're gay. That's just a famous one. I, I've heard a lot of people have asked me that specific question. Well, I'm gay. What about that? You're not going to hell. God loves you. That's between you and God. We all belong, belong to God. I don't see that. And in the, you know, when we get into Leviticus or Numbers or and all of those other chapters, God does specify a man shouldn't be sleeping with a man. But that is Old Testament. Okay? Once Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross, as will be the anniversary this Sunday on Easter, it was a game changer that changed how God allowed us to be in this world, okay? So 
Yes, it does state that in the Old Testament. But guess what, boys? The Old Testament laws don't apply anymore. They truly don't. That's why it's called the Old Testament. It didn't work. And God knew that. God knew it wasn't working. Because people weren't learning how to love. They were just being hateful and deceitful. So a lot of it is, you know, remember me, I'm holy. Teaching the people how holy God is. And the other parts were learning to love each other. Don't bear false witness. Don't be jealous of your neighbor or anything that they have. Don't want the things they have. Just love who you are. Honor your father and mother. Don't murder. And don't commit adultery. You know why God puts this? This is one that I learned later on in my journey in life. Because I didn't know God until, what, 35? Okay. I had realized that once you're walking with God, you suddenly become very aware that you're not for everybody. Um, it's not okay to sleep around. Um, it's not okay to do those things. You're supposed to be in covenant with God first and allow God to bring what's right for you to you. That was a huge one. Because once I became aware of that, um, you, you couldn't just go... Because see, in American culture, how do I say it? People just date to date and people just date to sleep around. They do. I know this. I've done it. I've done it. But once you're walking with God, he truly just puts the brakes on that. And he's just like, he'll tell you, no. You don't get involved with another person. Why? Because that's somebody else's husband or that's somebody else's wife. And you're taking selfish gain pleasure in having somebody else's somebody. That's how he showed me. And so I always knew after I woke up to God that no matter who came into my life, I was able to decipher that this person isn't for me. And truly the deep understanding was that somebody else is someone. And you don't play games and you don't flirt and you don't try to get their attention and you don't try to draw them away from where they belong because you're just holding them back from finding who they're supposed to be with. Um, and people can argue with me all they want, but that is true. We're all created for someone. I said that on Saturday. Um, this has been kind of a hot topic. So he gave them the Ten Commandments. Big one is praying to other objects and calling them gods. This is where back then it was so primitive. You tell, I mean, I don't think back then you could have even given them a cross and they would have probably misjudged or misconstrued what they were supposed to be doing. They would have started praying to the mere object. And this is what God, why God didn't want us praying to objects. Because people will get lost in the fact that, you know, pray to the phone. I make this my idol. God is in the phone. Instead of God is just a presence himself. So there's the basic structure of laws. 
And these laws still apply, you guys. I've had to go through this line of commandments in my life because I've done every one of them. And when it comes to murder, I've never murdered another person. Okay, I didn't have an abortion. But, you know, I've killed animals out of spite. I've allowed my dog to kill animals out of spite. I used to let her kill all kinds of things. She'd kill skunks. She'd kill gophers. I shouldn't laugh about that. I'm sorry, God. But one time I did sick her on a gopher. Because it was in the yard. And my daughter cried about it. Um, I felt really bad for that, that I did that in front of my kids. I've sicked her on skunks. Um, that was wrong to do that. Uh, so thou shalt not commit murder. I had to go to God and repent for that. I really did. Because um, that's wrong to do. Those are just creatures in this world and they deserve to live. And here comes along this big person that just shreds them to pieces, eats them alive. What a death. So you guys, chapter 21. What was the ending? Nor shall you go up by steps to my altar that your nakedness may not be exposed. So in the end, he was talking, don't make my altar with your tools just take the rocks that i ordained from you there was another part now i remember he said don't make altars unless i command you to do so this is this is another beautiful thing god doesn't want us just building something for him unless he ordains it uh god doesn't want us really doing or giving unless he he ordains us there's a time and a place for everything a lot of people will be like, well, I give to the poor and I give and I do all this, I do all this. But is God directing you to do that? How do you know it's God? Or are you doing it to feel better about yourself? It's with intentions. And again, people were very primitive back in that day. So God couldn't just say, oh, you can build me a little altar and make it look pretty because they would never understood. Then they would have started building what they're going to build later on. And we'll get to that later on. So, chapter 21. These are the judgments which you shall set before them. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve six years. In the seventh, he shall go free and pay nothing. Ooh, we're going to go through some judgments. Ooh, this is tedious, you guys. This is how detailed God was back in the day. If he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master has given him a wife, she has bore him sons or daughters. The wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. Okay. You guys, let's, let's specify slavery back in them days. You were either born in slavery or you sold yourself into slavery. It was, a it was a choice, and sometimes it was the choice of your parents. Just like now, children are born into poverty, and it was the choices of their parents. Um, and that happens. That still happened back then. But it's, a, it's an agreement that needs to be followed through, and that's how God sees things. Your parents agreed. Now, you know, you're just going to have to follow those conditions. That's the life that was chosen, or you need to find a way to find your freedom or buy your freedom and so I just want to specify that in people who 
are in slavery in them days. It was a choice. It was a choice. And to stay in it is a choice. If they wanted to be let go or released, they need to ask their masters. It's all a choice. Hmm. But if the servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go free, then his master shall bring him to the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or to the doorpost, and his master shall pierce his ear with an owl. He shall serve him forever. And that word is spelled A-W-L. I want to know what this is. Oh, okay. So, ow. Okay. It's a tool. It's got a handle on it, a round handle. And it's like um, the end of a pitchfork. The pitchfork has those tongs on it, right? Take one of those tongs out and put it on this handle like a screwdriver. It's almost like a very sharp-ended screwdriver is what it looks like. So what they're saying is if the man wants to disagree with the master's choice in keeping the wife and the children that he obtained during the time of his servitude, that his master shall bring him to the judges, he shall also bring him to the door and to the doorpost, and his master shall pierce his ear with an owl. So if you agree, but then you want to go against the agreement, then the master's allowed to do this to you. It was very primitive, you guys. This was back in the day. This is Old Testament. But you have to understand the Old Testament for you to really comprehend. God is teaching us through this. And mankind is very hard and stubborn to teach. I know because I'm very stubborn. So God started out one way. And by the time that Jesus came, he had finally found the correct way in which to love humanity, mankind. It's with freedom. Putting all these laws, he tried to put on all these laws, and they just didn't work. And eventually God just stopped putting laws in in hopes that we would eventually come to him. If a man sells his daughter to be a female slave, she shall not go out as the male slaves do. If she does not please her master, who has betrothed her to himself, then he shall let her be redeemed. He shall have no right to sell her to foreign people since he has dealt deceitfully with her. And if he has betrothed her to his son, he shall deal with her according to the custom of the daughters. If he takes another wife, he shall not diminish her food, her clothing, or her marriage rights. And if he does not do these three for her, she shall go out free without paying money. He who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. However, if he did not not lie in wait, but God delivered him to his hands, then I will point for you a place where he may flee. And they did do this, you guys. In the time of people of Israel, when they... Um, was the time of Ruth and uh, Boab, not Boab. Where's Ruth at? Probably not gonna find it now. Joel Esther. Why can't I remember his name? I know it's Ruth. 
There's Kings. There's Ruth. Boaz. In the time of Ruth and Boaz, there was a tribe, a town in the people of Israel set aside just for people to flee. God actually ordained it. Um, but if a man acts with premeditation against his neighbor to kill him by treachery, you shall take him from my altar and he may die. And he who strikes his father and mother shall surely be put to death. He who kidnaps a man and sells him or if he is found in his hand shall surely be put to death. And he who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. If men contend with each other and one strikes the other with the stone with his fist or does not die but is confined to his bed, if he rises again and walks about outside with his staff, then he who struck him shall be acquitted. He shall only pay for the loss of his time and shall provide him Provide for him to be thoroughly healed. And if the man beats his male or female servant with a rod so that he dies under his hand, he shall surely be punished. If a man beats his male or female servant with a rod so that he dies under his hand, he shall surely be punished. I've had a lot of people come up to me and try to find verses to show me that God allowed slaves to be beat. He doesn't allow it unless there's a reason. That's the Old Testament again. We're talking Old Testament. And even in the Old Testament, God said, if a man beats his male or female servant with a rod so that he dies under his hand, he shall surely be punished. How beautiful that is. I'm not going to forget that. I could use that. Notwithstanding, if he remains alive a day or two, he shall not be punished, for he is property. If men fight and hurt a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet no harm follows, he shall surely be punished according as the woman's husband imposes on him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. But if any harm follows, then you shall give life for life, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, hand for a hand, foot for a foot, burn for a burn, wound for a wound, stripe for stripe. If a man strikes the eye of his male or female servant and destroys it, he shall let him go free for the sake of the eye. If he knocks out the tooth of his female or male servant, he shall let him go free for the sake of his tooth. If an ox gores a man or a woman to death, then the ox shall surely be stoned and its flesh shall not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall be acquitted. But if the ox tended to thrust with its horn in time past, in times past, and it has been made known to his owner and he has not kept it confined so that it has killed a man or a woman, then the ox shall be stoned and its owner also shall be put to death. So basically, if you knew all along that you had this animal that was knowingly destructive and hateful and violent, and it hurts somebody, you're responsible for that. If there, is an, if there is imposed on him a sum of money, then he shall pay to, pay to redeem his life, whatever is imposed on him. Whether it has gored a son, gored a daughter, according to the judgment, it shall be done to him. If an ox gores a male or female servant, he shall give their master 30 shekels of silver, an ox 
and the ox shall be stoned. If a man opens a pit, or if a man digs a pit and does not cover it, the ox or the donkey falls in it. The owner of the pit shall make it good, and he shall give money to the owner, but the dead animal shall be his. So basically, if you kill somebody else's animal, whether you know it or not, you owe them for that animal, and now the carcass is yours. I think that still happens today, um, depending on... I know in some states, specifically Montana, there's a free range policy. Um, they have free range for cattle in some areas, and these are very desolate areas. So it's a very rare occurrence that somebody would actually hit somebody's cattle. But it, I've known it to happen. Somebody hit a cow with their vehicle on a free range land. Cow was, I don't know how they didn't see it. I don't know, some people but they hit the cow on the road and it killed it um and the owner wanted to charge him with the price of the cow at the time according to the price per pound it would go at auction um and the reason the person did not have to pay that because it was free range property land and because it wasn't specifically on somebody's land then nobody was entitled to receive any reimbursement for the animal. It was, just, it was just a fluke, and they considered that on free range. Now, if you were on their property and hit their cattle, they could charge you for that, and you would pay the price per pound going that time um, on the market for that animal. If one man's ox hurts another and so it dies, then they shall sell the live ox and divide the money from it, and the dead ox they shall also divide. Or if it is known that the ox tended to thrust in time past and its owner not kept it confined, then he shall surely pay ox for an ox, and the dead animal shall be his own. And that is the end of chapter 21. Oh, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. This full moon's got my world upside down. So you guys, this is Old Testament. Let me reiterate this. This is Old Testament. But you have to educate yourself of the way things used to be to really find the magic in what Jesus did for us. Okay? Because of Jesus, this changed. The way God ruled the world changed when Jesus walked loving him, serving his purpose, and gave his life for us. Okay, Then suddenly God didn't have to lay out all these laws. Now God has to specifically give these laws because times past, there's just so much destruction going on. I... Unless you lay out the law for people, especially in these primitive times, they're just going to do whatever they want. Um, if you recall back in Genesis, Lot, who was Abraham's brother or something, they left uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. God's angel was sent there, told Lot to pack up your stuff and go because uh, God's coming and he's raining fire down on these cities. 
And Lot's wife, she turned, God says, God's angel said, don't look back on the city. And what does she do? She has to look back and she turns into salt. Gone. Um, so all that's left is Lot and his two daughters. So what happens? They get him drunk and they both sleep with him to get pregnant with his kid. But that was normal back then because there was no filter. Nobody knew any laws. They were just on this world, just roaming, doing whatever they wanted. And that is just a bare minimum of the worst of worst things they were doing back then. I mean, they were heathens raping men. It was disgusting. Um, so God bringing the children out of Egypt as he's doing right now, he's laying out the laws as to not to give them some kind of structure to say, Hey, there's gotta be some boundaries amongst you. You have to know because until you know, you're just going to continue doing whatever you think is correct from the life that you just left and the way they were living was incorrect. So God's laying all this out. And you know, I see some of this. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You know, I think about moments, God, we all have a spiritual debt, you guys. Every single one of us has a spiritual debt with God that we will eventually, in not this lifetime, but the next lifetime, have to make clean. Um, specifically one incident I will bring up was in 2019, I went to jail. I lost everything. I was just picked up off the street. I had an apartment. I had all kinds of stuff and it was just gone, um, because I couldn't do anything in jail about it. So my apartment was left with a bunch of stuff in it. Okay. Um, I didn't get to do a move out clean. I didn't get to move my stuff out. Um, somebody else had to do it for me. That becomes a spiritual debt in the eyes of God when you behave that way in the world, whether it was an accident or not. And truly, if I'm being honest, it was an accident because I chose to make the choices to end up to put myself in jail. Truly. So at some point in time, it was in November, I met a gentleman, Mr. Joe Vestal. I've mentioned him before. Um, him and his son were moving out of an apartment and I met them at church and he asked if I would do a move out clean for him. In the process of doing this move out clean, I realized he was very close to God like this. He taught me some stuff. Um... It was a beautiful moment in my life because he, he spent time with me, educating me in the word of God and real life as him and his wife had experienced it. He spent a lot of time talking to me. I think we spent more time talking than I actually did cleaning. Um, and I realized in that move out clean, God showed me this is you paying your debt for your place being left as it was. And you have to know what it's like. So you never make choices to do that again and leave your mess for somebody else to clean. Wow. 
Why would God bring up this story of me right now? <sighs> I don't know what God's doing in me right now. There was a reason he brought up that story through me, and I'm trying to figure it out. So I did. I cleaned that house so clean. Because I wasn't just doing it for a man. I was doing it for God to pay my spiritual debt. To show God I meant business this time around in my life. Okay. There's pain that I've caused people. And God has so strategically planned situations in my life that I've gotten to experience that same pain on me. I don't know how he did it, but he did it. And it got me to see how my behavior affected other people. Well, I know what I'm doing today. I'm going to be meditating at work, you guys. So let's get in the verse of the day. Now my brain is stuck on a different direction. And it comes from John chapter 4, verse 7. Okay. And it says, oh, wait. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Okay. I haven't used this for a while. I haven't used this for a really long time. So, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who love is, loves is born of God and knows God. We are all created in the heart posture of God. Okay? Not in his physical image. Created in the heart image. Okay? The heart image of love. And those who don't know how to love, it's down there. Maybe buried deep, but it's down there. So God created us all equally. Sorry, guys. Having a moment. He touched upon us and he created this heart that he placed within us. Okay? So we all have this love within us. Okay? So let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. To truly love someone the correct way, you have to learn how to love from God. You have to go to God. You have to. I've said this before, and it was a long time ago, but I'm going to say it again. You, don't, you cannot love somebody the way they deserve to be loved until you go to God, your creator, and ask him to show you what love is truly about. Otherwise, you love them from your own understanding, and that's a broken understanding, and there ends up being a void there. 
I know because I experience it. It's a void. You have to go to God. God has to teach you how to love the correct way because the way we've been taught love in this world is incorrect. Now, there are homes that grew up with God within the home, so it was natural for some people to understand what the love of God was all about because they grew up with God in the home. They grew up experiencing God from their parents. I had to go to God to understand what love was all about because I had no idea. I thought I was being a loving person and one day it slapped me in the face that I had no idea what love was and never felt it before in my life and I'd never really loved anybody. I take that back. I loved my great-grandma, Laura, and I loved my grandma Connie and my grandma Nancy and I did love my grandpas. I was... But I never could truly love my parents always knew that there was a broken part inside of them that I couldn't trust. And I grew up like that. I chose people like that that never really truly loved me. But I could never really truly love myself. And this was the process God took me through to learn love. He had to let me love him. He had to show me to let him love me first. And then he taught me how to love him in the way he needed, which was being obedient and submissive to the things he asked me to do, which oftentimes was love others. I went through this in jail. I was, was hard. The hardest part was letting God love me. That was the hardest part because I wanted to do everything on my own. I was a very selfish person that way. I didn't need anybody in my life. That was a very prideful thing. I didn't need anybody to love me. I had it all on my own. I have myself. God showed me I did need him. That's how God showed me love. And then I began to feel love. The actual feeling of his love through other people. You do feel it when it comes from God. It's different. It fills a piece of you that you cannot see. It's not this quick band-aid of feel good high, of release endorphins in your brain. That's not quite what it is. It's something within the soul that fills the heart. Imagine my heart is like this and when God loves me, it fills my heart and stretches it out. I can feel it within my body. It's a spiritual feeling of filling my heart and it, it gets bigger. And I have my moments where I have a very cold heart. And we have to have love, you guys. We have to be poured into. If 
if all you're doing is giving love in this world, it will drain you. And it will make you very depressed and very it'll make you feel unloved because you have to even though your mind and your ego tell you that i don't need to be loved deep down we truly need an other people pouring into us and if they're not then they haven't truly went to god to learn what love is all about is really deep for me probably too deep probably too deep good morning Vinay talking about love love is a deep thing be love let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who knows love is born of God and knows God we were all created with the same heart all of us it's down there we all have love from God buried in there. And some of us, it is buried very deep. We've been crushed. We've been hurt. We've experienced traumas, our choices. We've been crushed and that love has been crushed down. And truly, it takes going to God for him to undo the petals. This is how God undid the petals in me, petal by petal by petal, to open up that deep down soul love. But not only do we have to love one another, to love others, we have to allow others to love us. We have to be poured into. We have to open our heart for other people to love us. And that is a hard part to do. When you've never allowed people to do it and you feel pain from this life, it is hard to open your heart to allow people to love you. But if you're not being poured into, you're going to empty what they call energy. Love is energy. And if you're not refilling your cup of energy, you are going to run empty. You, you have to. That's why they have the Sabbath. That's, that's why we have these days of rest. So a recap was deep so i wanted to check out something because it said 30 shekels for i heard your voice in the garden was buried i was naked abraham reason I was looking back is because as we go through the judgments of God and he said okay so if if a man's animal 
is killed. God says you must pay 30 shekels of silver for that animal. And the thing was, Joseph, as you recalled, who was sold by his brothers, was only sold for 20 shekels of silver. Even God ordains that animals are worth more than what human flesh would actually think. I just thought that was ironic. So you guys, a recap of chapter 21. God is laying out the judgments, you guys. He is trying to show the people of Israel they need a structure. This is the Old Testament, you know. So in the Old Testament, back in them days, people had no conscious awareness that what they were doing was incorrect. They needed a whole new set of laws, standards to go by. And this was God laying out these standards, and truly, some of these you really do end up when you come clean. You have to admit, I did do this. It was wrong. Um, you know, knowingly allowing others to be hurt, knowingly allow destruction in front of you. Those things um, are debts in the kingdom of God. They are. And God is all forgiving, but he, he waits for us to come clean about those. And the verse of the day. See, I don't want to dwell too much on the judgments, you guys. Like the Old Testament judgments and the Old Testament laws were the Old Testament. I do want to go through them. It's important that we're educated in these. But to dwell on them and bring it into our life today, um, it really just hinders our process with God, our journey. Um until you go to God, you don't know what it is that you need to seek forgiveness for. You you don't. And nobody can tell you that. You have to seek God in that. Um, but the Old Testament shows us the process in which God tried to teach mankind how to love and to love him. And the verse of the day comes from 1 John chapter 4 verse 7 beloved let us love one another for love is of god and everyone who loves is born of god and knows god we're all capable of love we truly are each and every one of us are born we're created by the same creator he created us he didn't just go i'm going to create you i hate you goodbye that's not the way God is. It's not like parenting nowadays where a lot of parents reject their children. God went, no, I'm creating you. I'm making you in my heart image. You're going to go through things. You're going to go through these life challenges and they're going to shape you and sculpt you. For you to serve a great purpose in this world, you're going to bring light, love, and laughter. You're going to bring hope. Because I created you to love like I love you. And he puts us in this world and life happens. We're all born to love and we do have to love one another as well as let others love us. That's a big one. We all need to be loved. Um, it's in us. God created us that way to desire to be loved and to desire to love. And we need to make sure that we're getting an equal balance of both. 
So you guys, today is Monday. It is the last week in March. Wednesday is the last day of March. Excited. Wednesday, I got some stuff going on. This Sunday is Easter Sunday. So this week is Holy Week. Um, who knows what I'll be doing as far as topics. I know I do want to talk about some stuff. Maybe I'll bring something in the topic tomorrow. So you guys, I love you. It's going to be a beautiful week. We all deserve love. Every single one of us. We all deserve to be loved. And to give love. But we have to have a mixture of both. If all we're doing is giving out love, then we're continually draining ourselves. And you begin to feel empty. You feel empty and very alone. So we have to open ourselves up for others to pour into us. So that we don't end up being so drained that we become depressed. Because that's the physical... um, That's what happens. That's the physical feeling of what happens when you drain yourself by giving too much. You become depressed um, because there's not an equal balance. So equally balance that stuff out. So thank you, Vinay, so much for stopping by. I hope you have a good evening. I hope the moon is beautiful where you're at. Um, It was super bright this morning, but it was moving fast or it seemed to move fast because it crested over the edge of this building faster than it normally does any other morning. Um, Those of you on YouTube, God bless you, and podcasters and my Patreon people, God bless you guys, and I love you all.